Happy New Year, everybody. I can't believe we're back. It's Baz out of the smart party. Gaz is over there flicking through his Chromebook 2, looking to see when he's going to get his Yokoshima jacket and his monocycle and his mono katana. How's shopping going, mate? It's going well. I found out that second-hand cyberware is a lot cheaper than first-hand, but I don't know how reliable it is. <laughs> One previous owner. <laughs> <laughs> this is the year of Blade Runner and other things as well, so it's always going to be raining, is my takeaway from that. Yeah, Night City. We played in that back in the day, and it was all going to be futuristic, mm. and there'd be pop-up ads everywhere, and, um, uh, and it, everything would be internet-capable. What a shame that never really came to pass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've not seen many clone, chrome-clad rocker boys or other things at the minute, but I'm sure it'll come later in the year. <laughs> they may well be there. I couldn't tell you who's in the charts. <laughs> What's the charts, Grandad? I mean, it might as well be. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, mate. We, uh, uh, Millennium Eve feels like that's on the horizon, let alone 20 years behind us, but we made it. We're, we're still alive. The next goal has got to be, I think, Shadowrun gear, which I think was about 2053. I never expected to get to the third Imperium in Traveller, so don't worry about that. But Shadowrun's a possibility, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say 2056, I don't know. Wasn't that one of those games where the year advanced, as the, yeah. the actual oh, year's advanced? Yeah. Cheekily, it's moving away from us at one year a year. <laughs> so we well, can... <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to live forever then. <laughs> There's a horrible thought. Yes, it's a, it's a new year, so I'm quite excited about gaming and stuff. I've got my, my school things I need to do, which I've got a couple of weeks left of, yeah. which I've been boring everybody about for about two years now. You really have. Um, but with that <laughs> out of the way, I can start reading about uh, Hellinger distance decision trees and instead read about, I don't know, The Witcher or cool things like that. Yeah. yeah. Which would be nice. Christmas is really good for that, isn't it? You get a little bit of headspace and, uh, and if you're lucky, you get some goodies as well. And a whole fresh new year means you're kind of looking forward and campaigns start bubbling up, don't they? Um, mm. and, and all your mates are sort of chatting on social media about various hobby-adjacent things they've been up to. And it just feels like a time of renewal. And um, gaming's no different, is it? It's time to start some new things. Absolutely. And I've mentioned The Witcher in passing, and obviously it's super popular because of the Netflix show. Uh, but I did get that. I've not had a chance to look at it properly. That was one of my Christmas presents. Did you get any uh, cool gaming stuff? All right. Well, uh, on The Witcher, I've, I've sort of like taken it very, very slowly with The Witcher because um, I, I, well, I was never going to sit down and watch eight hours of it straight. <laughs> but I'm only about halfway through, and it's, it's a real grower. It's really, really grown on me. I didn't understand a word of it after the first episode, and I've had to keep going back on the internet and looking at plot summaries so it could tell me who's who and what's going on with timelines and stuff. But I'm really enjoying The Witcher now, and um, hopefully it won't let me down at the end. But I was only I was only dimly aware, because I don't really do video games and stuff, I was aware there was a video game, three in fact, I think. Uh, mm. I was aware that um, Artausorian have done The Witcher RPG, Artausorian out of Cyberpunk 2020 fame. Um, yeah. And it was really popular. But I, I didn't, before the TV show came along, I'm sure I won't be alone in this, didn't know a thing about it. Looks good though, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a series of novels originally. I think they might be Polish or something like that. And then it was a computer game or a series thereof. And now it's on mm. TV. Which we might have Game of Thrones or something like that to thank for. I don't know. But it's good to see some fantasy stuff. Oh, definitely. I would say, yeah. You know, mm. knocking about. Um, I don't know whether the game's going to be any good or not. As I say, I've only just got it for Christmas and I'm still busy doing homework. So um, I'll have a chance to look at it. But it, it is interesting. Our Talzorian games, of course, are bringing out Cyberpunk Red this year as well, 
which given that Cyberpunk yep. 2020 was supposed to be you know, set in this year that'll be interesting to see what's changed I've heard in the grapevine that not too much has changed with it but uh-huh. regardless, you know, it's even if it is based on the old system and Friday Night Firefight, whatever it was called, it, it'll be good to see what they've done with it to make it current. It's it's still got legs. I mean, the the Quick Start is available on Drive Through. You can go and get that now if you like. And, and they want about twenty quid for the Quick Start too. So I've not really been tempted to get it. Uh, you know, see previous Quick Start episode for details, I guess. Um, but that's been in the top 10 in drive through ever since it dropped oh, a few months ago now. Uh, and that, that's selling like hotcakes. And that's just a quick start at a fairly premium price, to be fair. Mm. So I think people, maybe it is the year. And, and Well, why not? You know, you grab a marketing opportunity when it comes along, don't you? But um, people have got a bit of a thing for all things cyberpunk at the moment. What with, you know, Blade Runner coming out, was it last year? Maybe even the year before now. Um, the idea of like pink mohawks and monocycles sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's the Cyberpunk 2077 computer game, which has been bubbling about yeah. for some time now and must be due this year, although I think they said that last year. Yeah, There's a thing, I don't know, I think we went through on like uh, William Gibson, Neuromancer kind of phase 20, 30 years ago, whatever it was, and it must be that, that cyclic thing where it's coming back round again, it's, it's popular once more, and new people discovering it for the first time. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. I mean, uh, Shadowrun. Shadowrun's always been absolutely massive, just behind your D and Ds and Pathfinders. Um, in comparison, you know, just when you look at any kind of stats that you can get off the marketplace, whether it's online play or retailer reports, whatever. And uh, Shadowrun's on like you know version six now, but it's always sold really, really well. So you know, clearly, it's just a genre that came as love. Yeah, I don't think you're, you're wrong. Another game that's coming out this year, actually, that people are uh, potentially excited for is Altered Carbon, which, again, is based on a series of novels, which then became a Netflix show, which is now going to be an RPG. So um, that's not quite cyberpunk, necessarily, but it's got that kind of out-of-body experience and transhumanism and all that kind of thing mm. packed in there. So mm. Yeah, cool. It's definitely a, a vibe that's happening. I think that's probably one of the things that's... Going to be popular this year as well. It's so it started happening. I think you know, Cubicle Seven definitely had a lot of licenses, and it seems to be continuing because there's going to be stuff like Chaosium announced they're doing the Rivers of London mm. game based on the novels. Uh, there's a new Stargate role playing game that's coming out. There's even a new Zorro role playing game coming out. Is there? There is. <laughs> Get off. <laughs> Gallant Night Games, who also, as it happens, uh, are re-releasing Blue Planet, or I've got Blue Planet. Uh, colon recontact coming out which again from what I've heard on the grapevine is very similar to the old blue planet but it's got a fresh car wow. and it's coming out again okay what's old is new again yeah <laughs> yeah so there's a bit of licenses there and then there's a bit of bringing the old games back still continuing and of course you've got things like Warhammer which was very popular this year uh, they're going to do Warhammer Age of Sigmar this year so it's the same uh-huh. sort of thing but in there new shiny universe rather than the old world mm. so that'll be an interesting to watch and see see how that does compared to old Warhammer because we, we quite like it but I think yeah. we've got a certain amount of you know we used to work for GW back in the day and we've got you know the old feelings for White Dwarf and all the old world kind of stuff and the old Warhammer things will the new Warhammer Age of Sigmar be as popular or you know will it be for a different audience maybe Maybe. I mean, I, I bear it no animosity whatsoever. I'm not one of those fanboys which can't bear to see 
your old favourites dragged through the dirt and <laughs> sullied <laughs> by by new fresh people who didn't ask your permission in writing to change things. I'm not one of or those. In this case, tra- dragged out of the dirt and made shiny yeah. fresh, <laughs> dragged into the bath <laughs> yeah. for a good old scrub. Um, no, I, I, I bear it no animosity at all. I just I have very 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 little knowledge of it apart from you know stuff that you might get off flyers at the back of boxes. Really, no more than that. Um, you know the minis game is doing perfectly well um the minis game always did all right and gw did age of sigmar because warhammer needed a boost largely i think you know it could boil a lot of internet argument down to that they just needed to sell more warhammer figures because space marines just like eat everything so it'll have that level of players whether they'll switch to rpgs or not i don't know because you know the old world the one that we play in i suppose is it's elves and dwarves and traditional fantasy in many many ways i know we always talk about the you know the small dog in the gutter and the skaven and stuff but it's you know the the age of sigmar is is radically moved on as far as ip Mm. and stuff is concerned i wish them well with it you know you know i wish any games company well with their stuff and especially with the blow that they've had with one ring recently which i'm sure we'll talk about um i hope it does well for them you know and any sort of new blood if it comes to us via critical role if it comes to us via the age of sigmar tabletop game bring them in I say you know we'll have them play Nerf Dog before too long <laughs> so uh, one of the other licenses that's coming along as well is June from, the, from Adiphius. Um and that, that sort of entices me because uh, I'm intrigued to know how it works that's one of the games I don't know if you look at the novel some mm. of the original one I don't know how deep people go into all the other books but the original Herbert novel it's it's kind of world spanning in a way, and like I don't know what's your party made up of. Do you have like a Fremen and a Benny Gesserit, and uh, some guy just spends all his time in a big water tank and turn uh, <laughs> the boat ships about, or what? You know, like what what does a, a, like an adventuring party look like? What do you do? Like, what scale do you take actions? So I'm really curious to see how they present that. I mean, I can't yeah. see it being one of their typical 2D20 games. If you know what I mean, it feels like it should have something different that you do, but I don't know. Yeah, who knows, mate? I mean, it's a perennial question that we ask of games, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't seem to stop people releasing games where there doesn't seem to be much to do. <laughs> but you know, I, I suspect that'll be one of those books where loads of people will buy it out of curiosity and for whatever reason they want to buy it, and it'll be well thumbed through and maybe read. I don't know how much play that would get. I str- I'm struggling to think of an adventure, let alone a campaign. Um, so yeah. on that basis it's probably a hard pass from me um, mm. there's there's all the old historical stuff about you know the, the version of June that's worth over 100 quid on eBay because two copies got made and one of them got coffee on them <laughs> so you know there's that so it's got a bit of mystique to it hasn't it as an RPG property but so yeah. is, so is Ringworld and who's crying out for another one of those I don't know <laughs> there'll be a coin of the internet definitely yeah, yeah I mean the, it, the... <laughs> the last unicorn game version, last unicorns games version of June. Mm. Uh, I remember us being at Jenkin. I think it was in Liga Brugge. Yeah, we were. And, yeah, and I, I was there with Simon, and he was like getting one. And when we chatted to the guy, was like there's soft black and hardback. I think, and one of the versions wasn't available. Yeah, and the guy was saying, "Well, you know, from next week, the other one's going to be available." And I was like, "Well, why? Why would I buy it now? I can buy it next week and get the cheaper version or something." Uh. And Simon bought his and I didn't, and then they immediately announced straight after Jane Carter <laughs> they were going bust and it wasn't going to be for sale. <laughs> so, so I still rue that day. And he lives in Bermuda now and we don't. This was like <laughs> the sliding doors moment. 
<laughs> you're not wrong. So I'm going to buy the new one just to be on the safe side. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hello, Simon, if you're listening. I bet you've never played it, have you, Cheeky Weasel? You never know. There might be the one group that still plays June <laughs> in the Caribbean. Yeah, <laughs> in their gold fortresses. <laughs> That's a flavour of some of the games coming out. Uh, depending on when we release this, the poll and the, the AIM World site might still be going, which has kind of got, um, I don't know, something like 200 games in their category of you can vote for your most anticipated game of 2020. So there's mm. quite a lot out there. And the other thing I looked at recently was uh, Rich Williams, a good friend of the show, who does the Indie RPG pipeline. He said that last year it was something in the region of 3,000 indie products came out. Wow. Including a bunch of new games. Uh, and if if you take that into consideration, that's just like a wealth of stuff that you're not even going to get close to, to. You have to buy like 10 games a day even to get yeah. <laughs> close to achieving uh, a full collection these days. So that's interesting. So it's probably worth people being a bit more picky and choosy these days to try and get the stuff that they really want I don't know you can't not be choosy can you with volumes like that um, you have to pick and choose you can't own them all you can't know everything about the hobby there was a time when you could you can't anymore which is fine um, but I wonder how many gems just go unnoticed because now you've got to get your you do, well you've got to get noticed haven't you you've got to do something to sort of get a bit of momentum and, and get some things going on behind you because while all that's happening, of course, it's never been more easy to get what are ostensibly out-of-print titles. So if you want to play Champion 2nd Edition, you could probably do that within half an hour. Well, you probably couldn't play it within half an hour, but you could own it within half an hour. <laughs> you could start reading, yeah. <laughs> you might need slightly longer to generate a character. <laughs> but you could have any game you want. and and Or, and, and this is a radical idea that might stop people getting into new games, you could go and get one off your shelf. <laughs> because who hasn't got those clean wrapped Kickstarter things or the stuff you got from the con just because you really wanted to go home with a souvenir and you never really opened it or you didn't do much more than look at the character sheet in the back and think maybe one day who knows maybe someone's going to start a City of Mist game next week because they never really got into it when it was out not that long ago I think yeah no you're not you're not wrong I mean I've got my reading power which I'm just not getting near and it just keeps expanding because I keep buying stuff yeah. but um, the Alien RPG is new out I need to read that uh, I got hold of Eberron because you know I'm Me doing D&D these days <laughs> um, what did I back a pound of flesh for Mothership and some other stuff like that which kind of dovetails into the Alien kind of vibe got the Witcher as I said there's tons of Delta Green things I've procured that I've not read yet there's Scum and Villainy and all the stuff for Blades of the Dark that's hanging about that I don't get to look at I've just got a, a mountain of stuff and I've just uh, just grabbed a lot of the One Ring because that's at mm. half price at the minute because uh, the deal with Cubicle Seven's finishing. So they just have loads of really nice, cool, pretty-looking hardbacks at fifty percent off, which meant mm. I had to buy them all, even though I've got no chance to read them. But um, yeah, it's difficult. And then I saw today on the internet, actually, on the Twitters, somebody was talking about Earth Dawn circa nineteen ninety-three and going, "Oh, this was a great game. I need to get back and read this." And then <laughs> a bunch of other people going, "Oh, right, where can I get it?" Yeah. So you're quite right. Even with large collections, as most of us have, we still want to run out and buy new old stuff, let alone yeah. new new stuff. Yeah, get your Earth Dawn ninety-three while it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's curious as well, because one of the questions somebody asked straight away, more or less, was, oh, which edition? Which edition should I get? And you yeah, that always think, happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah just, I don't know. It's often nice to get the first one, I think, even for I games so. I don't know about. You kind of want to get the original, even if it's not considered 
with common wisdom to be the best, don't you? Mm. To find out what it's all about at the start. Yeah, because at least it was fairly compact then. Because if you if you go and get your old first edition of whatever it was, you're getting unless it came out with simultaneously released with a load of stuff, you're getting the whole of the uh, the catalogue as it was at that point. <laughs> so, you know, if I was going to try and get to Legend of the Five Rings, I could pick up the new one, or Shadowrun's need perhaps an even better example. But if you yeah. pick up a first edition one, it won't be massively different, but you feel like you can, again, get your arms around it. Um, but yeah, sometimes you can have death by supplement, can't you? If it's, got, it's, if it's not got any support, you don't want to get into the game because it hasn't got any support. If it's got too much support, you're intimidated by getting into the game because you'll never get to use it all. It's a tricky balance. Yeah, quite right. And I think it's the sort of thing we say about the World of Darkness games frequently as well. Certainly the old yeah. World of Darkness before they rebooted it. It's just get the core book and run off that for a bit because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's plenty to go on. As soon as you start buying splat books and supplements and add-ons, it all gets very complicated and you're reading a lot of words for what you actually do at the table. Yeah, my my purchasing sort of trilogy was always uh, main game, uh, an adventure if one was available separately, um, and GM screen, um, which is not everybody's cup of tea to have either. Well, screens or adventures, some people like to roll their own. But I always thought if I could get those three, and um, and get some games under my belt and really sort of knock it about a little bit, I'd be ready to play because I'd have something to do, ready to read. I'd have everything I really needed. Um, I guess that comes from like starting in 1979 where that's all you could get and you couldn't even get the GM screen that was a Weetabix packet that you'd hacked into shape <laughs> but, um, and that's not like you know look at me I'm Spartan I can play with virtually nothing because that's still quite a tidy haul these days isn't it but that, that would have been that would be that would be enough I would, you know don't bother with other stuff till you've at least seen that that works or doesn't work for you yeah, I, I found that funny on the uh, the first one group for uh, Warhammer when the new fourth edition came out, and mm. the, the the vast majority of posts seem to be people creating new careers. Yeah, so the games literally <laughs> just come out. There's about sixty five careers. You can't tell me you've been through them all already and yeah. bored them, but that seemed to be something people wanted to do was like new material. And when's this coming out? When's that coming out? It's like, have you not got enough to be going with already? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's bonkers. I mean, I don't think I've ever played an illusionist, and that's kind of almost a core D and D class. Been playing D and D for coming up on forty years now, maybe more. You know, I've not, it's not exactly exhausted. I mean, that's a game with deep content. So if we think, even if we think of one that isn't, um, I don't know, Legend of the Five Rings. I've certainly not played a character in every clan. Nowhere near it. A handful, if that. There's loads more of the game from just the core book. But you know, who doesn't get excited by new cool stuff? <laughs> No one. Everyone gets excited yeah. by it. <laughs> there's a couple of things I've backed actually, which I'm waiting for, which should we should pop up this year. Mm -hmm. uh, there's I'm bound to pronounce this wrong, but it's something like Vason or it's the new Nordic horror role playing game from those guys at Free League who just produce lovely stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's basically on the grounds that they had nice pictures and it's Free League. So I have you just got like a direct debit set up with them? Is I that might the way well it works? Have. I should get an account for my work that just goes straight to them. Or some kind of loyalty card. <laughs> and I don't use gem screens, but I've got so many gem screens off there now because of the bundles. <laughs> so many player maps. So many dice trays. <laughs> I can't help myself. But no. that should be interesting. That, that looks an intriguing game, if nothing else. It's something different. Hmm. Uh, and the other one that I've got, which will be handy for Seven Hills role-playing conventions coming up, which has a punk theme this year. Right. It's Punk Apocalyptic from our, our good friend of the show, Rob Schwalb. <laughs> um, so he's, he's released some tidbits about that and uh, 
just reading that every paragraph's a joy I just yeah. love his writing he's yeah, just full of evocative cool stuff yeah I was reading my quick start for that over Christmas it was one of the uh, I had my little reading pile that had been stacking up all year and um, sort of jumped into it when my holiday started and that was in there too and it's and it's one of those meaty quick starts isn't it again see previous quick start episode <laughs> um, but it's like 50 pages plus but yeah it's absolutely chocker it's the complete game plus an adventure um, oh it's oh it's just so funny it's really sweary yeah <laughs> yeah you have to be down as well Ed. yeah yeah good for Rob you know, that, that's a really interesting read that one and that and the trouble is you read that and it makes well it makes me think oh really I should pull off uh, the older uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord because I've probably got like a foot and a half of that on the shelves as well that mm. hasn't had enough play it's had some play it hasn't had enough play and that's good too because it's all schwalby goodness and um yeah it's like an interesting take on you know maybe potentially what D&D 5 could have looked like if it, if he'd had his way um yeah really interesting stuff you can't go wrong with anything out of schwalby enterprises it's a good read even if you don't play and I hate being the person to say that but even if you don't play it's nice stuff to have well, maybe you should think about that, Bass. I'll give you January off, and then think you know, if you run one session a month, we could get through an entire eleven-session campaign by the end of the year, which That'd is what get, it's supposed to be. You could, uh, you could do it. Yeah, do a Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign in ten sessions. That's one of its uh, go-to points. Maybe yeah. that's the plan. Yeah, that's a good idea. You should do that. As long as running D and D and everything else you're going to do for us. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. They've got quite a lot on the plate, which is you know, which is slightly dented my New Year's uh, enthusiasm for things because it was all pre-booked for me by people like you over the course of the last year so I've not exactly come into this year with a clean sheet of paper <laughs> well we'll see what materialises I think keep, keep throwing mud at the wall and see what sticks <laughs> yeah well I think two years ago I said I was going to run Transhuman Space Campaign in 2017 and that didn't happen still waiting still no, waiting not a good idea yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do. I do aim to get more gaming in this year. That was one of the things I mentioned last year, and right. uh, uh, that's looking all right so far. We've got some Deadlands booked in. We've had a couple we of do. sessions of that already, haven't we? Which we played yep. online with Dirt the Dice and some of the other guys, uh, Matt from Steamforged and the others. Uh, and I've had a game of the One Ring already this year, which is good. Uh, guy who runs Go Play Leads, uh, and he's also one of the committee for the aforementioned Seven Hills Convention at the Garrison in Sheffield. Uh, he ran a bit of that for us online which was nice it's good I still like it um, it was a bit of a shame to hear that Cubicle 7 weren't uh, going to continue their production alongside uh, Francesco's company and I believe that the, the license is still held by is it Sophisticated Games the Colts and that I can't mm-hmm. remember but yeah C7 had actually got the second edition written uh, and a lot of other content I think but it's now not going to come out which mm. is I don't know, it's a brave choice, it's an interesting choice certainly, uh, and it also helps me out because I don't have to buy all the stuff again Yeah, that's true Was there anything that was I mean, Moria was a thing that even I knew about, and I'm not a One Ring collector that's that's a shame to see that kind of evaporate, isn't it? Yeah, probably Is it though? Yeah, I think you kind of split into two camps on the One Ring, because I quite like tolkien stuff but I am in the, I quite like it, it seems alright kind of camp Right. And there are some people who really like Tolkien and <laughs> yeah. st- stand around his grave singing Elvish hymns and stuff. Uh, so uh, I imagine if you're really into it, that's sad. For me, p- I partly feel like Mori would be a dungeon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel a little bit like playing D&D, but with a different system. And I can see how it would be different and definitely put a new spin on it. But 
I'm not as sad to not see Moria, if you know what I mean, because mm-hmm. that feels too much like a classic fantasy game in my head anyway. And the One Ring generally feels that it's more like the Tolkien genre than it is about being a fantasy game, even though it's got orcs and dwarves and elves and all the usual stuff you expect to see. Right, you want it outdoors, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but there should be an outdoor adventure, a big journey to get to the thing, <laughs> and then you do the thing, and then you come back. <laughs> and the journeys are hard work and a big chunk of the adventure. Well, it's it's interesting that um, D&D's got the three pillars, hasn't it? And yeah. one of the most recent ones is like the combat's one, but exploration's supposed to be another big pillar. Supposed but to if, be. But if you look <laughs> at the book... There's not the same amount given over to exploration as there is to combat. Mm. Um, whereas in the One Ring in the core system, journeys are actually equally weighty to the sort of tactical combat system they've got, uh, which is a bit abstracted. And yeah. certainly more than social encounters. So that's definitely a part of the game that you're supposed to play. Yeah, yeah. No, it's my favourite pillar, if, if there is such a thing, um, is exploration. If I have to sort of rank what I like out of games not just system by system but sort of I guess play style by play style exploration is right up there I do like me some tactical crunchy combat stuff as well actually but I think most of all it's the idea of like uh, strange new vistas peeking round corners you know opening secret doors that kind of stuff finding out what's what's next mm-hmm. um, it's a, that's a big part of what I get a kick out of with my games and that, that can be in a far future setting it can be in D&D um, and certainly in the One Ring even though, I mean I haven't played it so much you, you could tell me whether this is right or wrong does it still feel like you're encountering uh, new new vistas even though if you've read the books and watched the films and so on you kind of feel like perhaps you know Middle Earth too well to get a sense of joy out of it it does for me because as I say I'm not a massive nerd yeah. Perhaps if you know the source material inside out, you wouldn't feel like dis- un- discovering new stuff. But then the way the game's authored and certain things about it uh, lead me to believe there's a certain amount of tourism. So for right. people who wouldn't find it new, uh, they might get excited as the author of the game does at certain points. It's like, oh, the characters might meet Radagast the Brown at this point and that kind of stuff. Mm. Which turns me right off. Like, I don't care about Radagast. Like, I'd rather be uh, the story be about my character or the characters around yeah. me. Um, but if you're really into it and know everything about the world anyway, you probably get something out of that bit where you start to do the, mm. the setting tourism bit and hit all the keynotes you're expecting to see and right. get interwoven into the larger story or something like that if that's your back. So mm. I can see it working either way, to be honest. Okay. All right, but you've got plenty to be going on with then. And uh, if Guy's done you a one-shot already, are you going to get a two-shot out of him? Or is that it, one and done? Yeah, we've got a game plan for next week. Oh, Amazing. Bloody week. hell. <laughs> And we're on, at the time of recording, we're only just about the second week of January. I've already got my second game lined up. Wow. Which is... Wow, okay. Well, we're, we're one each yes. at the moment then, mate, because um, I've got a game under my belt as well. Um, and due to be playing tomorrow night at the time of recording, so I might get my two for two in before you do. You so, might do. What is it you're playing? Uh, well, last week um, we played uh, the Black Hack, second edition. Um, I ran a pickup game because... Um, uh, our usual GM had a little bit of jet lag, bless him. You know, <laughs> first world problems. So, you know. <laughs> um, so I ran the Black Hack, and I'm running, I'm running a really cool sort of adventure at the moment. It's called Tomb of the Serpent Kings. You can get it online. Check it out. Um, and it's designed as a kind of a tutorial system or a tutorial scenario. Sorry for old school gaming. 
um, because it turns out there aren't many of them around. There's loads of old school scenarios you can pick up keep on the boardlands for pennies, but mm. there aren't any freshly written uh, scenarios that are supposed to show you how to play, I suppose, D&D in a certain style. Um, and I picked it up just because it was so easy to run from. Um, but it's just turned out to be great fun. And the Black Hack 2nd Edition really ticks a lot of my boxes. Got a lovely bit of form factor there. It's a bit heavier than it was the first time round, so it's got a bit more, bit more meat to it. Um, but we we rolled up characters and um, we went adventuring, and shenanigans happened. Proper old fashioned dungeon shenanigans, uh, which included um, <laughs> included a character death, which doesn't happen every day. Um, no, no, not at all. And it, and poor old Gav, the player, um, he's only been role playing for a relatively short amount of time, and. And none of us had really realised it was the first time he'd ever lost a PC. So it was kind of humbling, oh, right. and it was a bit of an honour to be there for that proud moment, you know. <laughs> we were in up his tears, <laughs> kind of like at his bris, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go! Yeah. So that was great, and that that's super cool. And uh, and the one we're going to play next week is um, well, our GM's gotten over his jet lag now. I hope. Uh, so we'll be back in um, back in D and D land. We've been running the Acquisitions Incorporated campaign for some time. I've sort of dipped in and out of it, um, and, and it's still going. It's, it's got legs that one. Um, and I sort of jokingly said to Matt, shall, "Shall I run some games this year? Come in." He goes, "Well, I've just got to finish this off. It's only got about four or five campaign frameworks left in it." Oh my word! <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that in the end of year review when I've played another one and a half sessions of that probably. We can, we can serve it for a 2053 session that we have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, ga- gaming has happened for us both then, hasn't it? Which is which is great. And um, you know, I, I'm always kind of jealous when I see people getting their their little uh, their stats in at the end of the year about how many hours they've played and systems and what have you. Um, and uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to compete with that. I've just got too busy a lifetime. But um, yeah, I, I just want to get a bit more consistent gaming in this year I think and play some systems and some sessions that that go into three, four, five or even six before we inevitably jump onto something new. Um, yeah. Love a one shot, uh, never going to get a whole campaign done but I think about that half dozen mark might be a really good good sort of like deep bite of a, of a game, that's what I'll be after Yeah, I think aspirationally if we try and go for the, the ten of Shadows of the Demon Lord that'd be like our High water might, wouldn't that'd it? That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, that would and, be uh, that'd be a lot, wouldn't it? And I think that's yeah, realistic as well. But it's uh, that'd be an achievement. Yeah, and I, I like. Yeah, I think six or eight games for a campaign in Vancouver is good for us these days. Yeah, just generally, I think from my interest point of view, given the amount of stuff we've talked about that we were buying and mm. you know new books we've got and old books we're rediscovering, doing any more than that amount of sessions is just not gonna. I don't know. It's not gonna happen. We're no, too fleeting s- in our in- interests, aren't we? We'd be setting ourselves up for disappointment, you know. If um, if we pulled pulled any game off the shelf plus like I don't know four or five supplements or whatever it is, and started talking about playing one of the great campaigns, whether it be like the Great Pendragon campaign or Eternal Lies for Cthulhu, or you know, let's get Mars of Nyarlathotep done all the way to the end. It's not going to happen. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. Let's <laughs> let's try Tomb of the Serpent Kings, which is set up for two sessions, and see if we can finish that first. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I know more people that have started the Great Pedragon campaign than I can count. <laughs> yeah. And I know about three that finished it. Yeah, that's why they call it a generational game, because only your son or daughter is actually going to pick it up from, your, from their inheritance and blow the dust off the cover and finish it for you. 
Yeah. So um, we've we've mentioned the end of the One Ring, or or is it? Because uh, I believe the author on his uh, Facebook page, his website, or something has mentioned it. He's excited about the tweaks for one point five or version two point one or something. So all right, there's something happening somewhere. Whether it's going to be a solo operation or a new partnership or something, there's <laughs> there's, there's rumblings. Drums in the deep. <laughs> Indeed. But then there's also news uh, from the likes of FFG who have just announced that they get rid of their interactive or uh, certainly app division and mm. the word on the street is that the role playing segment's going to be not far behind it. Wow. Um, but uh, there's still some open questions around that. For example, they've still got the Star Wars license I think until 2021. Yeah. So you would think they'd want to produce more hashtag content for that possibly. Mm-hmm. Um it could be they go down to a real starter scaff of maybe just one or two people and hire freelancers, uh, or maybe it's just the decision from Asmodee that you know these sort of games aren't making any money, so they're on the chopping block. Who knows? Yeah, yeah it could be, mate. This is um, this has ever been so, hasn't it? Really, mm. you, you get really, you get good, you get big, you get so big you get noticed by the accountants, and then they just start adding up the <laughs> the profit and loss stuff and the, the the man hours that have to go into producing. The three hundred page glossy hardback books that the consumers want but don't want to buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as opposed to cards, for example, yeah, exactly. Toy soldiers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, FFG have been. So, I mean, they've kind of crept up on it, really, haven't they? They're they're probably one of the biggest RPG publishers there are currently, um, and I always forget about them. I forget they're there. I guess if you're not playing Star Wars regularly, which I'm not, then maybe you don't notice, but that's not the only string to their bow they've always had stuff going on and you know genesis is was a thing um netrunner dear to both of our hearts is now a role-playing thing uh there's a game i haven't played either maybe you should mm. drag that one out for next year yeah um, and, and then there's legend of the fire rings of course which is the yeah. other big seller but they make tons off the card game for legend of the fire rings i yeah. can't imagine the role-playing gets anywhere near it even yeah. though as a role-playing game it's quite successful and has some decent stuff yeah. I think if there's a criticism of FFG that I would make it's that they have funky systems with weird dice and odd symbols on but they've got several of them so the Genesis <laughs> system is, is different than the Legend of the Five Rings system for example which is different than yeah. one of the you know the Star Wars games and yeah. even the games that have got the same system have different symbols on them depending on which version of the game you've got so if you try and use your Star Wars dice for Genesis You've got to work out what the symbols mean again because they mean something different or a similar thing but look different. So you can't mix your dice up. So there's there's definitely an element of getting people to buy funky dice. Yeah. But uh, I think even within one company, you need to stick to one set of funky dice. You can't keep making new ones. <laughs> so you're not going to be buying any new dice for your new free league game then, right? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. You're it's part of the bundle. Like repurposing your Mutant Year Zero or your Forbidden Lands dice or the other special sets you got. Yeah, but you can, I can always use more D6. That's not a problem. <laughs> you can use them playing Pendragon. It doesn't matter wow. that the ones have face huggers on or whatever it is that Alien does. <laughs> on the, um, it, it's an interesting point you've raised there. I was talking with Matt, uh, Matt who's occasionally on our show. Uh, hello, Matt, of Steamforge Games. And uh, we were talking about one of my Christmas uh, prezzies this year. I got Gaslands. I'm sure loads of people listening to this show will know about Gaslands because it's kind of hobby adjacent, isn't it? It's, um, if you don't know, it's a tabletop war game um, and it uses Hot Wheels cars or Matchbox cars if you're from the UK. So you go rooting through junk shops or maybe you still have them 
or you might have sons or daughters who play that sort of stuff and uh, you slap those down on the table and it's a it's basically a kind of post-apocalyptic mad max car shooting game think car wars but with matchbox cars um it's really cool it's a lovely game and it answers a lot of questions that i've ever had about role-playing games and their chase systems whatever i could very easily port gaslands into it it'd be lovely um but on the dice front talking with matt about this matt matt said to me the other day he goes i just don't know how they make any money out of this game because it's a lovely war game but what they do is they they give you just loads of downloadable templates and print and play stuff whether it be templates for turning or your stat blocks all that kind of stuff and they even just let you print off little d6 sized stickers to put on your regular d6 which <laughs> they don't even charge you for that i mean you can buy proper dice and proper plastic templates stuff, but that's through third parties they all they've done is just released the rule book and it's a really lovely rule book and stuck everything else for, basically for free online so they're the, like the opposite of ffg um <laughs> and, and, and matt's kind of scratching his head from a business perspective going what you can't even buy dice from them I want to buy dice from them. What's the matter with these people? <laughs> yeah, I can see with his business sense, it looks like the worst business model ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you get your models from like you know the um, the Marie Curie cancer charity shop. <laughs> like, you know, you get a bag of soldiers for like a ten pence. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose the, the the other Kickstarter I saw uh, recently was the Car Wars one, which I always liked because in my head it was going to be like little bits of cardboard you cut out and turning keys and stuff yeah and, and they've ruined it we'll go, we'll go back to the thing you were mentioning about dragging <laughs> through the mud now it has 3D printed cards and stuff I was horrified yeah. so I've not backed it I mean I'm sure lots of people will but neoprene mats what <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with kitchen tables and a sheet that's what yeah. I want to know <laughs> when I play Gaslands it looks like micro machines we're like steering around <laughs> coffee cups stacks of books yeah. That's what you get for a hill. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a bit not averse. I just don't really get into all the the miniatures and um, other stuff. Really, I don't, have, I don't have a chance to do my role playing. So, yeah, anything like board games, other stuff, I only have a passing periphery at. But right, I definitely recommend to our listeners to go and head over to uh, our good friend Ian McCallis's, uh podcast, The Giant Brain, because he does you know week by week tons of great stuff with. Um, you know the proper board games and he gets lots of playtests done and uh, reviews and interviews and stuff like that so go and check him out if you want to know more about that sort of game he's your man yeah Ian knows his stuff in fact I think Ian might have pointed me at something else I got for Grimbo um, and it's another one of those hobby adjacent things I got a copy of Captain Sonar are you aware of Captain Sonar guys? oh is that where you're playing two teams up each other up yes. each other across a screen yes yeah you've got it so yeah, the year is 2049 or something like that I don't know it's some years in the future but then I once said that about cyberpunk and um, you, you play the uh, you're the crew of a, a nuclear sub and you're hunting another nuclear sub and uh, you play in two teams and you have a, a set of screens that go down the middle of the table so you can't see each other's stuff the screens are lovely I tell you what for 30 quid you can pick up this game and you've got yourself two beautiful GM screens that you can just like sellotape your charts in behind they're, they're really nice and there's like 10 feet of screen in there it's ridiculous um, but what a brilliant game and it's the closest thing to role playing you'll get without role playing and you can probably get people who wouldn't touch a role playing game to have a go because it scratches the same itch that you had when you were a kid and you are playing battleships but you're just trying to hunt each other's submarines down 
and it's got just a million cool things including you all play a role so you've got your captain your first mate your engineer and crucially your radio operator and all four of you have to be communicating so it's another one of those games that solves one of those rpg problems of what do you do when you're the crew of anything you know what does the captain mm. do what does the gunner do i mean really do apart from like roll a pilot skill every 15 <laughs> minutes and um it's so tense because the beauty of the game is not only can you play it turn by turn just to figure it out but you can play it real time and i tell you what there's no dice involved or anything else like that you're just playing against real opponents and and you get in roll you just get in roll you just totally do and then when you realize there's a campaign in there and you can start like tracking subs under the arctic and like popping up through the ice and stuff and there's an echo <laughs> map and a charlie map and a delta map you just start thinking why didn't i find this years ago it's absolutely <laughs> lovely so if you can get eight people round a table it's a role-playing game i defy anyone to say it isn't yeah you don't have a character sheet but you've all got individual roles you're working together as a team and there's a scenario that is it's really good couldn't recommend it highly enough and i think i got the nod from ian on that one i might be wrong on that so cheers ian or review it ian <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's definitely aware of it it's, it's something i i spotted at um it's when i was at worlds for netrunner with ffg and it was back ah. in the, the the local hotel there's people just walking around going captain sonar captain sonar captain sonar and it seems to be some like weird tech or something <laughs> and then i found the room they were in and there's like you know it was a spectator sport there was yeah. eight guys playing Captain Sonar and then about 50 guys all around watching and commenting yeah. and whispering amongst themselves about what was happening. It was great. Yeah, it's good times, man. Yeah, really good. Uh, it just reminds me of those those classic games. Another thing I want more of in 2020 is that convention gaming experience where you can do stuff that's a genuine one-off. You know, whether that be linked games like you and I have done back in the day with uh, with Godlike, you know, mm. um, where you could have like five tables all bouncing stuff off of each other, or playing with ten people round one table, or or playing a D and D game with six clerics, you know, whatever it is, yeah. that kind of thing you just wouldn't normally do at home. A real, you know, a proper kind of celebratory one shot game. That's what I'd like some of. Yeah, that'd be cool. And my Christmas gaming experience was. I managed to get the the whole family playing uh, King of Ho Tokyo. Oh wow! Which is actually a really simple game. Um, it turns out that it's not that simple for most no, people. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Am I in the city? Am I out the city? How's it work again? Same way it did the previous sixteen times. <laughs> what do I roll? Just those guys in front of you. Yeah, the, the eleven-year-old got it. Funnily enough, uh, yeah. everybody else aged. I don't know, twenty-six to seventy-six. <laughs> Completely amused every time they roll the dice. Yeah, it's like, come on, guys, you played Yahtzee. But I, I was pleased because it's the first time I've managed to get a family game played at Christmas. Normally, nobody wants to play anything, but um, cool. I used a sneaky maneuver of buying the kid the game, so he wanted to play it. Somebody else had to join in because they felt guilty otherwise. Nice. So that, that's my Indian giving, and now I've got to play some games. So that's my recommended tip. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and we uh, we both got Eberron recently right so mm, yes that's a, a back, well, proper it. old school not old school but it's like you know a hardback book full of colorful pictures and and you, we've started flicking through it or are you reading it paragraph by paragraph um well as i've mentioned earlier i'm not reading anything until approximately two weeks time when i've finished skill work <laughs> and then i'll actually have some fun stuff to read yeah uh so yeah just look just look through flick through it um someone else was mentioning uh, about the D&D announcement's been delayed we do one at the start of the year about what the next book will be yeah. uh, and we'd both like it to be Dark Sun even though we don't think it's going to be but 
Mm. That's another setting we'd like to see. But I did, we've talked about not being able to play like enough games that we want. Like even D and D, there's so many settings I can't even play yeah. all the settings, can you? For one game, no. let alone all the games. Yeah, and and if you wanted to, you could play it tomorrow because all the old stuff is still there. And you know, we never played that first time round, so <laughs> it would still be a new experience, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's well, it's an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? So, what's going to stop it happening? I guess scheduling real life but um you know i'm I'm committed to getting more game time in and um i'm just going to try and be my my kind of new year's resolution is not to be that guy that flakes out you know whether it be an online session or a real session or whatever i just don't want to be hitting whatsapp and going oh sorry guys you know something's come up which yeah it it will but i'm just going to try really hard to not let that be due to tiredness or workload or stuff you know if it's in the diary I'm gonna play it. Um, come hell or high water, and 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 then I suppose the next resolution after that is to get stuff in the diary. Like, don't just talk about like, wouldn't it be nice if, or we'll get round to. It's just like pick a date. Go, okay, guys. I, I don't know, 18th of February. Let's do this. You know, let's play Scum and Villainy. I've read it. I've got some sheets, and if I stick it in the diary, you know, let's have three players, and we'll say it's a go. Who's up for it? And then. You know, get them to write it in their diaries, and then there's a chance it might happen. Yeah, I mean, I occasionally got accused of hogging the GM sh- uh, chair last year, but from my point of view, too, it, was, it was a chore because he had to bully people into playing the game and <laughs> yeah. deal with people flaking out and then trying to get his calendars to line up because people can't tell you when they're available and when they're not, and mm. things come up and whatever else. So, yeah, I think that's the if you want to get gaming in, there's just the element of you've just got to connect to it, really. and um, when you're tired and knackered or whatever else, like just try and play the game. Because I think we all, we've all discovered it's the same with going out sometimes or other things. Once you actually do it, it feels great. It's yeah. just sometimes half an hour before you feel like it's going to be the biggest chore in the world to do something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I suppose a tip, a tip I might take from a, a guy, which other people might find useful, is this one ring game that he's running. He assembles a group of about ten players. So wow. there's a like there's like a Twitter group with ten players. I thought, well, if everybody turns up. It's going to be, you know, that'd be a challenge. So how are we going to work this out? <laughs> but as things happen because of real life and flakiness or unavailability or last things crop up or whatever else it is, uh, when we played this week, there was four players out of ten okay. or whatever it is. So that's, I mean, that's possibly another option is that you like you oversell your, your seats, like I guess mm. people do at gigs or other things. You know, you sell too many tickets because you know that a certain percentage of people are going to turn up. And then you have to play the sessions if you're going to do a bit of a mini campaign in terms of a, a drop in, drop out. So some weeks people yeah. won't be there, and some people, others might sub in for them or whatever else. But that's possibly a way of making game happen because of the stage of life we're at and the other things that people have got going on is get more people so that you can get a number of bodies around the virtual table. Yeah, do you know what? Games can survive that kind of stuff. You don't think they can, theoretically, but they can. It's like if. Mm. Um, if uh, if we're playing our standard game, if I don't know, if Jules doesn't show up with his dwarf that week on the internet, they'd have you believe that you've got to write some kind of elaborate story as to why the dwarf isn't there. Do you know what? In reality, it doesn't ha- it doesn't matter. People just don't they just ignore the fact that there isn't a dwarf there, and we don't play the kind of games where we have to split up party treasure and get the calculator out to do XP. It's just not that kind of session. <laughs> and then when the dwarf is there again the next week, he's just there. Let's play. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, to be fair, that's that's kind of what happened with the Deadlands we've played as well, isn't it? I think the first yeah. time we actually played, there was three people, and then there was five, and then we were back to a different three again the week yeah. after. But 
Uh, none of us care. We don't like how do we work it? How's that happened? It's just like he just has. There's only three yeah. barrels for people to climb into to get on the train, so yeah. two people have to stay behind. Like, that's the way it is. Yeah. Just don't look too closely. Don't worry about that. Worry about what's going to happen in the future, not about what, how you got here. Yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, yeah, that's that's something as well, isn't it? I think you're quite right, mate. Is um, scheduling's a bear. It just is because that's real life. And there's a couple of things you could do to mitigate it. But one of them, I think, is just have a gung ho attitude. To mm. don't be too precious about your your plots, your campaigns, or even your prep. You know, Matt runs for us more often than not, but he's perfectly happy to say, "You know what, guys? I've not got my prep done this week. What can we do instead?" And we we'll just pivot to do something different, or just dive in and and know that he's going to be laying the track in front of our eyes. It's fine. It's, mm. it's you know, it's either that or no game, and it's too easy to pick no game. And I don't want to do that so much in twenty twenty. Now, fair play, Maz. Let's get more games in. I'm all for that. Yes. Oh, yes, another thing I remembered, actually, when you were talking about D&D, and, well, I was as well, settings. Uh, one ah. that's coming up, potentially, this year, um, which our good friend Ken Height told us about from Handiwork Games, Hellenistica, yeah. which is D&D, but in ancient Greece, sort of, mythology times. <laughs> and the way he pitched it, which I'll not try and do justice to, because I'll, I'll, I'll ham-fistedly wreck it, but it just sounded like the best game ever. It did, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a, a gun which is coming out, which we might take a look at, or a gun, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which is a game about Greek heroes. But equally, I kind of want to play D and D in that period as well. Yeah, I think um, as with anything to do with Ken, you kind of need to get a free Ken height in every box to make it work. Because it's like <laughs> I um I teach ancient Greek. All right, it's a primary school level, but you know I, I kind of have my chops when it comes to this kind of stuff. I read his play reports. And, and it's just like listening to Stephen Fry go off on one. Really, it's like <laughs> this just sounds amazing. I've no idea what's happening here, but there's a whole bunch of words that nope, don't know what that is either. But I want to <laughs> play more of that. I, I, I'm not sure I could do it justice either. But um, yeah, just follow Ken's Twitter account, and just every couple of weeks you'll just see like well, 280 characters that have got more content in them than many source books have. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll definitely want to do the thing. You won't understand what yeah. it is. Nope. But it'll sound like something you want to do. <laughs> it will. <laughs> yeah, that'll be worth a look, though, mate. Uh, I, I am desperately trying to return to some of the stuff on my shelves, though. I mean, I I have actually been reading a decent amount recently with an eye to, to getting it on the table. Um, Scum and Villainy is, I think, bubbling away really nicely. And I've had that in... Well, it's been on the back burner for a little while. It's never really got to the front, but I think its time is due. Um I'm hoping, I've got big hopes for that one because I really love Blades in the Dark and I've always wanted to do a kind of ashtrays in space space game, as I know you have as well, and, and I think that Scum of Bellini might just be the one for that it's just a matter of finding people who want to have the same level of buy-in to that kind of play and narration and so on but yeah, I've got high hopes for Scum of Bellini um, I've also been going back to the old well of 13th Age quite a lot um, looking at my King of Dungeons stuff and looking at adventures that have promised to get written and so on and I lean quite heavily on 13th Age just for inspiration because that's where so much of it came from in the first place and and uh, they've had a couple of bundles of holding recently and I had had most of the stuff anyway but sort of tinkered around with a few other bits and pieces and a combination of that and I got a Kindle Fire as a nice little present for Christmas so I've now got all my RPG collection in is kind of a bit more portable and readable at the same time so mm. 13th ages you start to come to life for me a little bit because it's just in my hands 
yeah. um, and stuff like that. When when you when you can access it, that really helps. It really does. So that I think that's going to see loads of appearances as well. Yeah, I like about thirteenth age. That'd be cool. And Scum and Villainy. That's another good game. Yeah. Yes, good games. I'm I'm terrified of going to my shelves because I've already listed about twenty things I want to do. If I start looking at what else I got, this could spiral well out of control. Yeah, it could. But I mean, you know, it's a nice problem to have, right? Too many yes. games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I might try and get to even more conventions this year. Now I won't have to spend um, some of my holidays going up to university and whatever else. I might get a chance to go to Continuum this year, for example, which mm-hmm. uh, is kind of I think they're, they're planning on switching it to a yearly format as well. Um, wow. So rather than every two years, which which could be good uh, we might get a few of the old gang back together to go there uh, there's obviously things like Furnace and Seven Hills the crack and I go to I want to get across to Amsterdam again for their convention and there's tons of one day things uh, we've mentioned before Grog Meat and Albert Wizardstaff and Concrete Cow and then there's a bunch of other conventions that we don't even mention that much but mm. you know you could go somewhere every weekend if you really wanted to couldn't you it's dead easy yeah 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 Albert was a real highlight for me last year I'm so glad I went um, and you know, and we've been saying to to Paul, how long have we been saying we would get down to Concrete Cow? You've at least made it before, I think. And I, I never have. <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with me. <laughs> yeah, and then getting on Junction in Birmingham. And the few, I mean, honestly, if you go on the internet and look for gaming conventions, you, certainly in the UK anyway, where everything's a bit closer together, it's difficult not to find one. Uh, certainly every month, if not every couple of weeks or a week. Um, yeah. so I might try and do a bit more of that and get myself around a bit more the trouble then is kind of like honing down onto some games to run and not trying to run something different every time I go to a convention which seems to be one of my yes. fables yeah 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 yeah. I think last year mate I mean I don't know if you've reflected on it but I remember you went off was it to Kraken and you committed to doing like five different systems with yeah. five sets of pre-gens I mean that's work at that level <laughs> it really was <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I always think I've learned my lesson at times like this I'll say I have and then I'll get near a convention and I'll just do I'll look at the big list of things I want to play so I'll run three different ones to try and get them all in yeah just bring all your free league stuff there's six games there <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> at least it, just that, that one set of D6s you'll get your money's worth out of it eh? <laughs> yeah. I'll have to have the right D6s for each game obviously that's you how will. it works yeah, you will you will yeah, I mean, and we must be due as well this year for another um, White Wolf game. Uh, like V5's been doing quite well, and stuff's yeah. been steadily coming out for that, but we can't be far off seeing Werewolf or something. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. And my eye's not massively on the ball with that kind of stuff, but you know, let me know when we get to Mage, I think. And, uh, <laughs> Just going to mention that thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it be interesting to see what new stuff happens with it. If if anything, or whether it's because, like for example, Chicago by Night's coming out, and our good friend Pete, that's his uh, like go-to best mm. of kind of like books. He, he always harps on about um, Chicago by Night as being so great and having wonderful characters in X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah. So it would be interesting to see if that's lived up to his memory of what it was like, or whether something mm. new's been done, or whether um, I don't know. It's sometimes funny that you have recollections of games from yesteryear, and when you go back, you think maybe they're not quite as good once you read them again. So, yeah, it can, it can be variable, can't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be bitten a few times, and and I sometimes do it as well at conventions, just to sort of marry together two little threads. There, yeah, you know, I've, I've been to conventions before. I bought a a classic from the past, and um, 
Well, there was a reason I hadn't played it in 20 years, 30 years, <laughs> maybe 40 years, it turns out, you know. Um, so <laughs> some things should, some things are perhaps better left off in the past. I mean, I, I don't think, I bow to no one in my in my love and adoration of all things D&D, &D, uh, and especially Red Box D&D &D from way back in the day, the Moldvay edition. I love that so much. Uh, I had so many good times with that, and, you know, it kind of brought me to where I am today. But I unpeeled it along with the expert book for a session a couple of years back and um, it was brutal it was too brutal and it's just modern sensibilities and modern game technology I think honestly it just made it look clunky and old I, and uh, yeah I, I sometimes don't go back um, it's really interesting to see the support that things like old school essentials has had that have absolutely rip snorter on kickstarter really yeah. lovely looking stuff and you know nothing but kudos to the guys necrotic gnome who've put that together I mean just from a layout perspective if nothing else they've really done a great job with it um, but it's not for me because it's it, it won't work as well I think nostalgia's gonna well I don't, I don't want to see people's games crash and burn of course I don't but I think there's probably better ways for me to get my D&D &D fix these days than going back to to really old stuff like that that I think it's had its day yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we managed to sneak in a little game with uh, Full of Dice Mechanic when we were at uh, Dragon Meat, didn't we, at the end of last year. Mm. Uh, and that was using that essential type stuff. Uh, and it was a good fun session. Uh, cheers, Phil, and guys who played in it. Uh, but yeah, it did cement for me that that sort of game isn't the sort of game tech that I want to run with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be brand new, fresh. You know, it doesn't have to be all sexy, sparkly stuff like that. You know, there's there's a million different things I'd play over five E, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, not not super super interested in going back to games written in the in the 1980s. I think, um, you know, there is some stuff that, like I say, perhaps it's just better off in the past. It's a nice nostalgia thing to have for the shelf. But um, for 2020, for me, it needs to be about games that get run. Um, and get enjoyed and that we talk about the adventure afterwards rather than the system you know mm. whether it was good or bad or got in the way or did it help or whatever I want to talk about the shenanigans instead so yeah. I've, I've got a few things and th and that will be enough if I can get a year's worth of games out of the I think I've probably got about four or five systems that are bubbling away and similar for adventures or adventure ideas um, that should be plenty I think yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to commit to it now, but I feel like I should do some form of RPG writing this year. But wow. I, I don't know what, or if I'll actually do it, or if it's even a wise idea. But presumably you've still got a, a bit of King of Dungeons stuff to come out, some stretch goals and things. Oh, yeah, but thank you for the, <laughs> for the reminder. Uh, first, one's, first one's nearly done. I mean, it genuinely is nearly done. Nearly done from a writing perspective, and it's, it's actually all done from a play-testing perspective as well. But it does need laying out and making look nice. And, I, and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get it out in a fairly rough state. But rough, uh, it's not even a rough state. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look perfectly fine. But I'm not going to spend six months sourcing the right kind of ivory-coloured paper <laughs> and, and loads of spot art stuff like that I just want to get it to people's hands so it's played and I've committed to doing a handful of adventures after that too um, and they're all you know in the pipeline some of them are further along the pipeline than others but I've got a decent amount of writing to do and in fairness you know one of the games and try not to talk about it too much otherwise it's just a bit too well narcissistic I suppose but I just want to play a lot of King of Dungeons this year um, after a year of making it and selling it I haven't played it that much um, 
and I want to get back into playing it and I want to enjoy it. I wrote it for a reason. And, yeah, uh, presumably it's the sort of game you want to play. <laughs> it is exactly that, yeah. I've got kind of like, there's there's two, uh, there's my two favourite fantasy games, 13th Age and Dungeon Crawl Classics, one at the light end, one at the heavy end, and, and I made King of Dungeons to fit in the middle. So why don't I play that? I went to all the trouble of writing it, and who am I going to complain to if it's not supported? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point well made. Uh, oh, I, I, one thing I do want to get involved with, and let's let's pile some more pressure on a good friend of the show, Neil Gow, who's uh, obviously right now beavering away on Duty and Honor Second Edition, Clearly. or, or <laughs> Empire, or whatever he's going to call it. But um, yeah, I did write a couple of bits for him back when first edition was about and he's got his new job down a bit of time in his hands so I'm quite sure dear listeners if you pester him uh, I can give you his email address later and make sure that he's working hard on duty on the second edition because uh, everybody wants to see it frankly <laughs> yeah and he's, he's he's doing one of the King of Dungeons adventures as well so can I have him do that one first he'll still be writing liminal stuff for uh, good friend Dr Mitch oh, as well Jesus. at the minute and various other things no doubt yeah 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 Good writers are hard to find. Um, he was a great writer, and um, yeah, and I've got a couple of other guys as well, mate. And so um, yeah, I mean, there'll be hopefully it'll be a good year for getting King of Dungeon stuff out there. That'd be great. Um, so if we could see Neil get to Empire Second Edition, that'd be awesome too. <laughs> golden Age, and again, again, mate, it's a golden age where we can watch Gareth Hanrahan not get Moria out. But still feel that there's loads of stuff that we can read that he'll have written, <laughs> and he's just one of many, many people that I just will buy sight unseen. Tim and Schwab and Greg Stoltze and all the rest. Was Gareth writing the Moria stuff? Yeah. Oh man, now I'm devastated. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch what I said earlier in this podcast. If I'd have yeah. known that Gareth was writing that, well, now I need to email him and see what he's got. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Christ knows. Maybe like, may I have to come up with some dirty deal involving a diskette or something, you know, because I'm <laughs> yeah. sure he's not allowed to have any manuscripts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get him to hold the pictures up to a webcam and photograph them or something, screenshot it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's quite good at dungeon adventures. Cursing. Oh, he's amazing, yeah. <laughs> oh, now I feel sad. <laughs> cool, right, well. I hate to leave it on a bad note, but we've, uh, we've more or less come to a time again, haven't we? So yeah. I think it's it's one of them where we've got, <laughs> it feels similar to a lot of Januarys. We've got a lot we want to do. There's a lot of stuff we're excited about. There's a lot of plans we've got. Um, let's see as the year progresses how much of that we actually get through. Yeah. Well, we will check in every couple of weeks with the podcast, dear listeners. Uh, we've got some we've got some guests in the pipeline and uh, and we haven't yet run out of topics to chat about. Uh, uh, loads more people coming on board, and yeah, we'll let you know how our how our quests are going. I suppose um, there may, you know, please don't be afraid or embarrassed. Just reach out because if anybody wants to offer me and Gaz a game that they're going to run, well, we've just said out loud we'd like to play. So you know, if you want to get online, hangouts is a thing for now. Let's get some of that done. Um, online has fueled most of the play that we've had in the last couple of years. It's been a real honour to play with people from all over the country and all over the world in fact so mm. um, you know let's, let's get some drop in games going um, that would be nice so if you're a listener and you've got a game on the go let us know what it is if you've got a spot let's jump on sounds amazing that's the way to do it cool right well thanks once again as we always do to all our patron supporters listeners people who share like tweets drop us a dollar 
just say thanks occasionally when we see you at conventions or elsewhere it's uh, always good to know that we're supported and that's what keeps us going for another whole year yeah thank you guys couldn't have done 2019 without you won't do 2020 without you you're the best cheers guys and see you next time ciao ciao Oh, 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 oh,